What's up, friends? My name is Peter Shep. Welcome to Direct Support, the podcast. Um, we got a rad episode today, but first, hope you had a nice Father's Day, whether you got to spend it with your dad, or maybe you didn't, or maybe y'all don't hang, or maybe you guys had a rad time, or maybe you're, you know, far away and would like to, whatever. I hope it was a nice weekend. Um, I had a nice family reunion with my immediate family. My sister's actually staying at my house right now, so she is in the other room working. And within an earshot of me while I do this. Um, Guys, I think you're going to love today's episode. I got Tommy Siegel. Uh, Tommy plays guitar and he writes songs in Jukebox the Ghost. I've been a fan for a really long time. And my fandom only escalated more when... So he went on the road with the Mowgli's. um, And uh, and him and Andy, their drummer, uh, really bonded over uh, some web comics world that they're both engaged and involved in. I'm a big fan of the web cartoons and all those comics. I think they're super rad. I obviously, you know, hired Luke McGarry to be, um, you know, the the commissioned artist for this show. Um, so Tommy and I dig into the balance of, you know, two different arts, pursuing music, pursuing graphic art. Um, that's something I've really been, you know, intrigued by and you know, something me and, and Ryan from Coin talked a bunch about, something that um, I just think it's rad anytime a musician can take a step back, work on a different art, you know? Um, between that and just talking about balancing between two songwriters in one project, this was a bit of a heavenly episode for me. And guys, I highly recommend, so Tommy's got two books out. One is the Candy Hearts book that's a super fun, very funny coffee table book with tons of relationship humor in it. The other one is called I Hope This Helps. Um, which was a 500-day cartooning challenge uh, that Tommy undertook where he uh, did a cartoon every day for 500 days. And, I mean, what a feat, you know? Okay, housekeeping, you ready? Y'all know the rules. Um, (laughs) If you are a first-time listener, go ahead and hit subscribe or follow. Uh, Download some episodes. Um, If you don't want to do that, just share the show with a friend. Send it to somebody who you know likes Jukebox the Ghost or any of my past guests. Um, If you want to help very directly and you have a music project, head over to Banzoogle, sign up for a subscription. You need that website and use promo code direct support for 15% off. Banzoogle is run by musicians and it's for musicians. So if you are a musician making a website, that's the place you got to be doing it. Um, And other than that, I think it's, uh, I think it's time to get into it. Um, Here's 20th century. It's an an exclusive acoustic version of the song by Tommy. And let's launch into this thing. Okay, 20th Century by Tommy. Here we go. The days ahead already planted in heaven sent. Don't have to work no more, but we still gotta pay for land. The kings keep town, but it's over now. It was a hit and run. I read it in the paper, and by paper I mean like the rose. We don't have to talk about the weather and water may or may not mean. You laughed and said, baby, that's the 20th century. That's the 20th century. Kids are cops is a weekend job, but they don't get paid. They get a pat on the head from the sheriff in a big display. The biggest storm that it ever formed, it was running late. 
Take a number and have a cup of coffee while you wait We don't have to talk about the weather and what it may or may not mean You laughed and said, baby, that's the 20th century Baby, that's the 20th century That's the 20th century That's the 20th century Whoa Come on, come on, come on I wanna play the victim too Come on, come on, come on It's my turn to call you through Come on, come on, come on Everybody just wants to fight Spread to the kids And the dogs are barking up all night The cars are knocks And they all self-park for the government They take you straight to the station Get it all over with The robot cop tries to make you talk But her tongue is tight Cells are all busted, but everybody stays inside. Don't you people get tired of screens? Don't you have something to read? She laughed and said, Baby, that's the 20th century. Baby, that's the 20th century. That's the 20th century. That's the 20th century Baby, that's the 20th century (laughs) All right, we're all set up. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. How are you? I'm great. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. Although it's, you know, it's kind of funny. Cause like I, I, I was listening to the, um, your episode with, uh, Ryan from coin, um, yeah. today. And, uh, so yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like, I feel like I sort of got to meet you already in that sure. podcast way where you sort of were like, I know this person. You know? Totally. I mean, I've spent hours and hours with Mark Marin, but it's a one way yeah. relationship, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, no, I was doing the same, um, Cause I, you know, I, I guess I could have researched harder, but it, it wasn't until today that I saw that you did some like pods with like Doug Pound and and I like I think Brent Weinbach is one of the weirdest, funniest dudes in the world. And you dude, did dude he's so weird. I love him. <laughs> I know me too. But yeah, I mean that's by the way how I, I besides being a jukebox fan, how I got onto you as an artist is we share a mutual friend in Andy Warren. Um, Right, right. Um, well, and I was noticing that your um, your avatar for the podcast is by Luke McGarry, who I haven't met in person, but I, an, an admirer of his comics from afar. So, so um, I showed Luke to Andy, and then Andy showed me your stuff, and and then Luke Luke lives in this neighborhood that I live in in L.A., so I see him a lot. And one time I just oh cool, essentially commissioned him in person. I've never told this story on the show, but I basically said. I have a podcast like a million other people. Will you do the art? And he said yes. 
And then I just didn't hear back from him for like a month or so. And then COVID. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, work's run dry. <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? That's great. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I don't mind, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure you guys are all entrenched in the, in the same like, like internet comics world, right? Yeah. The web comics world is such a, a weird, it's such a weird thing. Um, there's that bagel that, guy i like that guy's stuff too oh the um yeah oh what's his name the bagel high bagel high school yes yeah his stuff is, is great um he was doing um i so i did a daily comics challenge a couple of years ago and uh-huh. i noticed that he did a daily comics challenge i don't know if it was intersecting but maybe just after so it was fun to watch him do the same um right. in, insane slog yeah. Is that is that what um is that what I hope this helps was? Yeah, so I hope this helps kind of came from it was sort of like a compilation from the daily challenge. That's yeah. insane. Um did you set out what were your goals when you did that or you just you just went for it and then it became a thing that you could wrap up in a book later? Uh yeah, I wasn't really thinking about a book. Um so at, at, yeah, at that time I was just sort of like I've been submitting comics to the New Yorker. And I remember I had this moment where, you know, they, they were all getting rejected, obviously. Uh-huh. But I remember I had this moment where I was like looking at some of the comics I'd submitted like the previous month. And I was like, these are pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I could do better than this if I like uh-huh. took it seriously. And so I had watched another cartoonist do a daily challenge and I was like, watched him get better and better. And right. so I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that would work for me. Um, and yeah, it was totally the thing I needed to do to get myself off my ass um, and actually like, you know, learn like digital illustration techniques and mm-hmm. like just sort of learn how to be uh, a real illustrator, you know, put the hours in. Yeah, totally. I think that's that's a good point because because it's that it's that Picasso thing that he um, where he like, you know, scribbled on a napkin and was going to throw it away at a coffee shop and some woman goes, hey. Uh, can I have that? And he's like, no. She's like, I'll pay for pay you for it. And he's like, no. And she's like, but that took you like 15 seconds. He's like, no, ma'am, this took me 60 years. And he like put yeah, the- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh that's but funny. I love that. Even though it is like a pretentious uh anecdote, I still really love it as a as a means of like because sometimes I'll beat myself up if I like, you know, do a piece of music for somebody and it's really easy and I go like, should I have tried harder or something? It's like, no, it's just they, you know, are asking you to do it for your sensibilities. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, my my pockets are just, I I can't even, I can barely move. They're so filled with napkins. (laughs) Okay, I want to remind it. Yeah, exactly. You got to keep them all. You got to be selfish, right? Why would you put it on the internet too? Uh, (laughs) No, well, I want to rewind because for this show, and you listen to the episode with Ryan too, so you know it's like somebody who, you know, he paints and he drums. And like, I think I'm Mm -hmm. really interested in like intersecting. Like, I think it's great to see people who, you know, found a journey in music and also like have a holistic sense to their creativity. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you've been through this a lot. You, I'm curious, like even, you know, doing like book tour uh, uh, or like book press versus uh, like album press has probably been a, an experience for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think I've been more struck by um, in terms of the lease process um, aside from, the tour part of it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do more touring with music than you do with a book. Although some people 
do book tours. Um, uh, but I know I've been struck by how similar they are actually, like just really? in the way that like, I remember like the, the first time I read through like a con the contract with my book publisher, I was like, Oh, it's a record contract. Like it's kind <laughs> of the same, the same exact idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I was like weirdly struck by how similar it was. And also like, you know, the, the press cycle around, it's like, you make the press release, you have the photo, yeah. you do the, you do the interviews and generally answer the same four or five questions and like i don't know you you find your angle and you stick with it for a press cycle just like a record yeah i think um i found that more and more where you're just like oh labels are just companies like be, like working with somebody is just a job like i don't know like the longer you yeah. do like, there's this esoteric uh idea around being a musician but the more you do it the more you're like oh this is just another business like anything which is sad too <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. It's like kind of depressing. <laughs> um, and yeah, you you also had that experience of I, I put out a bunch of stuff during the pandemic, but um, yeah. the the latest Arms Akimbo record also came out during the pandemic. Yeah, we we put out our last EP in February. Um, yep. Yeah, but which all, it's great, by the way. Thanks, I've listened man. to it a few times. Oh, now. I appreciate it's that. awesome. Yeah, I um, it was kind of the least stuff we'd ever done for a thing because, because the story around it too, is that we had a, we had a member leave and that was the last EP we did with him. Um, gotcha. Um, which is another reason why I've always been really curious about you guys and how you and Ben find the balance. Cause I know you guys both write and sing. And for the longest time I've just, you know, sought structure. He, you know, uh, our, our member eventually, you know, left and he's doing his own solo thing. That's really good now, but I, you know, maybe we maybe we in a sense start there i'm really curious how you guys find the balance and maybe even how you guys i i'm certain you guys get very uh similar three piece how do you guys work without a basis questions but <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> we'll lump totally. it all in i guess uh-huh yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean it's it it's certainly like the biggest like creative juggling act that we have as a, as a band is having multiple identities within one band. And I think every band that has multiple songwriters has that issue. So you, you kind of have to like, I think you have to be friends. Like there has to be something that runs deeper than just business because I think the bands I've seen where, um, you know, let's say they started based off a of Craigslist post or whatever, and just started yeah. touring and, uh-huh. um, you know, if you don't have that kind of brotherhood or just like family um, intimacy there, then like I, I could see how that would be very difficult. Um, yeah. And for us, obviously, that we have our struggles with that, too. But I think we've actually it's gotten better, especially recently, sort of with the more just with time, sort of the open acknowledgement of like that our differences make us stronger and that we don't have to like necessarily always meet exactly in the middle that we can kind of be ourselves and be very different and still like benefit the larger like band picture, you know? So like, I think, I think our new record is like a great, that hasn't come out yet. Um, is probably the best distillation we've had of it, you know? Oh, I'm really excited Um, to hear that then. Um, Yeah. So, cause it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like we're both being ourselves in a very unapologetic way. Whereas I think in the particularly in the last few records, we've definitely like had that sort of like feeling of needing to meet in this particular space. Right. That 
encompasses part of ourselves, but not like the the totality of like just sort of free expression. Dude, it's it's super hard to work through. Like you know, it we, is especially when money gets involved in like that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. yeah. I think we're talking um, about a biz, the business aspect. You know, literally the what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, because because. I don't know. It's just hard to, there's a reason that so many things have like a person at the focal point, like steering the ship. It's really hard to have that. And then, you know, I would assume with you guys having three people, it's a little, I would guess a little bit simpler to have those conversations because you guys know each other well and intimately. Um, but, but it can't make it any easy. Like, I don't know. It's funny. Like for instance, one of the things that I've noticed a lot is like us writing the album that we're working on now and sharing music with each other that's like in demo form is kind of a new experience because we've always made stuff from a band practice room but now that i'm right. like sharing songs with my drummer and he can actually hear the lyrics and it's not just like muffled in a pa he's like writing drum parts to match my vocals which has never happened before for our band i'm sure it's happened for other people for a much longer period of time yeah totally i mean i think uh it definitely has benefited us that um, we've become all three of us kind of in our own right have become like, you know, competent at minimum, um, like producers and engineers, right. you know, ourselves. So it's like, I think before, yeah, oddly the band, I do get nostalgic sometimes for that sort of a hundred percent band in a practice room vibe. But then I have those flashbacks, those moments where you're trying to explain a song into existence because you can't really sell it in the room. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? No, I know exactly where what you're, you're like, I just got yeah, where you're like, that. yeah, it, it's, and it's awful because like, you'll be really invested in this idea and you're trying to express a drum beat out loud and trying to explain how that it is cool. And like, yeah. but you have to do this thing, please do this thing. And um, and it could be as simple it's as hard as like a little headache, and they don't they like your song could die, you know. Yes, and they're just like, no, nah, I don't like this. Whereas, <laughs> whereas you know, the nice thing with um, you know, you know, being an engineer and producer in your own right is you can take the song not to the finish line, but you can take it as far as you can take it, mm-hmm. and you don't have to explain the song. You can just play it for them and be like, here it is, and that's and it gives that. you that. Well, and it's helpful for. I'm sure you find too, it's like, it's helpful as a songwriter too, because instead of, um, you know, there's that feeling when you're in a practice room, I think when you're younger too, of like, you're playing a song for somebody for the first time and it's very vulnerable and it, and it's, it's, you haven't separated it into its own object yet. So it is, that song is you. It's a part of you. Yeah. It's a part of you. And (laughs) because it hasn't become a part of anything else yet. Mm -mm. Um, And so the nice thing about demoing too, and like, you know, doing more serious production is like, you can record that song. And as the songwriter, you can take a step back and go, is this good? Yeah, totally. Which you can't do if you're just playing it. The only time you're ever hearing it is when you're playing it. You know, I I haven't heard it said exactly in those words. And I think you're, you're really like, you're summing up a a feeling I felt a hundred times, which is like, yeah, utter vulnerability and if somebody says no to the song, they're saying you suck, you know, <laughs> like that's yeah, how you internalize yeah. it. But also like a lot of times if you can separate it out and you can put the demo down and you can share it with everybody, what you, you can be more honest with yourself and be like, I actually don't like this as much as this other one. Let's like run with that one, you know? And totally there's, um, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. I think finding a way to separate it from, from your ego is like a huge, oh, God. A huge win. 
so crucial. And, you know, I mean, the idea of the band is just um, the, the way it's structured artistically is like just ludicrous. <laughs> um, well, it's yeah, it, it's predestined for um, dissatisfaction because it's like, OK, we are a unit mm-hmm. of of let's say take my band, for instance, where it's like we are three people. We have two songwriters and every two and a half years we get 12 songs <laughs> that is our entire identity as a group and as individuals and is good for our, our, you know, business, quote unquote, yeah. oh, you know, and, I, just, oh. I just got sore like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, actually one of the, one of the things I, you know, there's a lot that I dislike about streaming, but um, yeah. one of the things I do like is it does feel like, um, at least uh, I love being untethered from the album album cycle, even though I am an album guy, I love albums, right. but um, I, it does feel liberating just to be like, we could put out a song next week. Totally. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all album guys and we have never been able to make an album because we were a band birthed out of the era of streaming. So anytime we tried to do it, it was like, well, you guys are sitting on six songs right now. Do we have to wait for you to finish more? Can we like, you know what I mean? And like right. every time we would get to like EP phase and we're like, this is a record. And and weirdly, the internet lets you say that. And so we're doing like a, right now we're doing like a have your cake and eat it too. Like we're going to drop literally like 12 singles, but we're going to wrap it up and call it an album at the end. We're just trying Hell something, yeah. you know, why not? But but still it's, I'm jealous of album, you know, like, like, you guys more than most of my guests i had to parse through a lot more tracks i didn't realize how many records you guys have been making and how long you guys have been doing this so not only that it's it's horrific it's horrific i mean (laughs) well we actually it's funny we don't have as much material as the length of our band's existence (laughs) implies like because we're about to put out what our sixth album i Mm -hmm. think but i mean i mean i've been playing with them for almost 17 years which is insane Right. Um, so, so if you're like, if you're talking Beatles, it's like, well, they did that in, in a rapid amount of time, but it's also not that anymore. Yeah. But, but to your point, you have to like summarize your identity in a record in two and a half years. But it also, like, all the things that you said, matching the business, matching all of your guys's, but it also has to match the project that you guys started 17 years ago enough that it doesn't feel like something. Yeah. Um, yeah. As if to assume that you guys wouldn't grow insanely in 17 years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. There, there is this, the funny element I've been noticing lately that um, I'm surprised to be noticing is that with our new record, it's oddly the most we've sounded like we did in college, <laughs> which is to say we didn't mean to in college, but there's that sort of naivete of just sort of not knowing what's cool Mm -hmm. at the age we were, you know, it was very pre-internet, you know, like we were putting out, we were working on our, you know, early stuff in 04, 05, 06, like those years that like, we had no idea what was cool and we had no idea um, what we were even going for. And so you were just, we were being eccentric by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sort of feels like the uh, oddly the pandemic and us actually producing and engineering our own records now, like puts, it's like, I feel like I'm back in a similar space where I'm like not really concerned about the larger stuff. And it's just sort of like, Great. like that old feeling of like, here, I wrote this thing. 
you know. I love that. Yeah. That's um, nice. Yeah, and you guys can work on it in I I always try to figure out what what that was like I it's the ignorance is bliss thing in a way like there's so much um about how like when you're making music early I don't know you just it, I I totally know what you're being cuz we were we were a college band as well and we would like you know do we would write in a living room of a house that like seven dudes lived in you know and that's how we would Yeah create songs what, where'd y'all go to school we went to lmu um, okay cool it's in la yeah but uh it's like on the west side right by the airport and uh and nice. it's um it was just like so great because you would show somebody stuff and everybody would like it felt like kind of an explosion of creativity and we thought we had so many songs and then you boil it down like most of those songs never made it but what we did and and also like you would just jam on something for way too long because you like didn't have the discipline to be like, okay, we wrote a part. Let's move on. Sure. Yeah. But it was really exciting. And I, yeah, I don't know how to get that back naturally. So I'm really glad to hear you guys have kind of found a way. Well, I don't know if we found that in the practice room. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, sure. that's something that, um, I mean, as a three piece, you're never, I mean, you, in a room, you're never going to fill the space that, you need to yeah it's never really enough instruments and so there is something about that that i think almost requires the naive imagination of like being 19 to like yeah. play in a room and be like this sounds incredible because like you know as an adult <laughs> yeah once you become like a mixing engineer you're like you hear a piano guitar and drums in a room and you're like this does not sound good <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> But but I, I wonder how you guys have kept up with that for so long. Like you guys made it your sound. How'd you guys do that live? Do you guys have a lot of tracks going? What's what's I haven't. Um, yeah, we just we just have kind of a, a Frankenstein thing that we've done over the years. Uh-huh. We don't have tracks, um, but we do. I switch off. I switch between guitar and bass okay. a lot. Like mm-hmm. in the last, you know, in the last like I'd say eight years of our band's existence, I've uh-huh. like you know, a third of the show, at least I'm on base. Oh, um, okay. but also we, you know, having a keyboardist, the nice thing is that like, uh, he's got that left hand. So sometimes we'll have a, an extra, a synth bass setup uh-huh. or, um, the sound guy just knows to crank the, yeah the bass stereo side of his, his electric keyboard, yeah. you know? So, totally. um, we make it work. Uh, it's one of those things where like, sometimes we'll question it on when we're rehearsing, for a tour it usually sounds pretty bad <laughs> right and then the sound whoever's mixing for us makes it work makes it great well i'm really more curious in what what was it in your guys formation where you was it just that where you were like this the three of us this is the alchemy like we work together and you never wanted to include anybody else or was it just like you guys were on the same page maybe wanted to go out and tour together i don't know there's a lot of ways where you have to like you know, make a decisive moment. Was there ever a potential fourth guy or, you know, stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that probably it's, it's sort of like digging our heels into an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, we didn't, th- there was never really a conversation about it. I remember in college after every show, we would have bass players coming up to us being like, Hey, you guys need a bass player. Here's my number. Yeah. Um, and I think part of us was just being, we were kind of just being assholes and being like, we don't need a bass player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and and I think especially, um, I mean, not to throw Ben under the bus too much, but um, I think especially, and because I've noticed this every keyboardist I've ever played with, yeah, key, keyboardists do not think high, uh, very highly of bass because they're like, well, I do that with my left hand. It's <laughs> the same thing. They you're all like, seem yeah, to think I, I that do, their left hand is the same as a bass player. You're like, I do that with the top of my pointer finger. <laughs> yeah. And they're partially right in that yeah. it does feel low end, but it's not, I mean, I've never been at a show where I was like, I heard like the left hand of a piano was like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta Ruby. dance to this, you know? Is that thunder? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um but yeah so i think like i think it was just kind of a stubborn um naive it was very naive i mean like our first and our first album as a band our first two albums as a band there's no bass on it really the recorded the the record yeah and now i listen to them and i'm like why the hell did we have bass on it like what it was like it was like an ideological thing almost you know yeah i love very funny yeah Yeah, no the the naivety puts you on the right path. I think that's great. That's <laughs> awesome. And then you just roll with it yeah. and then you get stubborn about it. <laughs> well, and then, the, and then the thing is, right, then those decisions you make as a band then define what you sound like. So yeah. like part of why we sound like we, why we sound like what we do is yeah. because we don't have a bass player because we've totally. never been able to actually settle into a groove and write songs that way. So right. everything kind of has to be up. It has to be very entertaining. Lots um, of changes, you can like never, quick lots of changes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can never stop for a moment because once you stop the whole, the floor, the whole thing comes down, you know, that's brilliant. That I think that explains one of the things that I was curious about because uh, I'm an, I'm an excellent interviewer and I went on your Wikipedia. Uh, no, hey, there you go. <laughs> no. Uh, one of the things I saw, I was, I was thinking beforehand, I was like, I don't really know who to put you guys with mentally for me. I don't know who the, you know, like you, you try to categorize some artists with certain artists. And then when I saw some of the, uh, I think some of the tour mates, you know, I was like, you know, most, most obviously I'm like maybe Ben folds or something like that. Right. And then I saw tour mates. I was like motion city kind of totally works. And then like, uh, I don't know, some of the people that you guys hit the road with, it started to make sense to me a little bit more. Um, but I think that that's a really good way to put it is, or, or at least, you know, what makes it unique and, and why it might be harder to place is because a lot of the changes and transitions, like, and I'm obviously excluding the obvious like queen comparison because you guys have another thing you've bought into. Right. Um, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it is funny though. I mean, like I write guitar parts for the band that I would never play in any other context because there's right. sort of these pseudo guitar bass parts where I'm, I don't know. It, they're yeah. just, I, you know, I've played in bands with bass players and it's a totally different way of thinking about yeah, cause, the cause instrument. You don't, have to cover you, know? it. you don't have to cover it. And now you're like, I got to kind of like, I hear a lot of like palm muted stuff. That's like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it sounds great. It's, but it, it very much feels to me like a style. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. It's always interesting. The alchemy of like what, what a certain group of people make together. Like wh- why? I is, mean, three, three, three piece bands are like, you know, that's yeah. a that's a special phenomena. Yeah, it's a you can make it thing. work. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, until yeah, th- exactly. If you if you can be like a three piece like through and through, that's um you know, always shocking. I was in a three piece in high school and we were like but but still I was like a 
guitarist playing bass because that was the spot that was open. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the other that's the other piece of uh, hubris that I've had to uh, adjust to is like um I think um as a guitarist I'm sure you've had this feeling too where you're mm-hmm. like you know, you kind of like watch bass players and you're like, oh, I could do that. Totally. You know, that's just the bottom, that's just the bottom strings of a guitar. And then it, it really like, I mean, now I'm kind of embarrassed by like the bass parts I was like laying down on the, like early when I started playing bass. Cause yeah. I don't know, you start to realize that it's like maybe the most fun instrument you could play <laughs> in a band. Like it's totally. so cool. It can be so cool. And the people who are um, good at it are like a cut above, like for real. Cause they just got, yeah, nobody notices when you fuck up, but if you're, pl- if, if, if you're doing it right, everybody can feel it. Yeah. You know, 100%. it's yeah. so great. Yeah. I, I can always pluck out watching other bands. I can always be like that bassist is a guitar player. Like he's just soloing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like ahead of the beat. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Ba- bassist is always behind it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, you know how I first got put on to you guys though was uh somebody was on one of those iTunes singles of the week. Is that is am I right? Wow, that's a yeah, that was a long time ago, but yes, that was almost 10 years ago. I loved those. Those saved me. Wow. Uh, I was a youth and I was like the kooks and you guys, and I don't know, but there's always there's like a special place in my heart for like songs that were iTunes singles of the week because they they were always really like like shockingly good they were pretty sick <laughs> that's awesome yeah i think during that era i must have just been like you know bit torrenting music like crazy and totally wasn't away it was like one of those things i heard about oh you're really? like you're on you're the itunes song of the week and i was like i have no idea what that means you know <laughs> i love that yeah well but uh but yeah that song had always been on my radar and, and that's and, so cool and then yeah and then it carried on and then eventually i was like oh cool friends are playing with them um, how did, how did you guys first start? Uh, when was like a moment when you guys first started like getting attention, you started realizing like, Oh, people are, people are watching us. Did you guys like road dog it immediately? Or did you like build something at home? Um, we luckily had college as uh like sort of a, the testing grounds. Same here, um, by the way. Yeah. Which was, it's a very convenient time to make all those mistakes that you're glad you didn't make in public. Everybody's um, around you is a drunk and your friend. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, so we had definitely, we had three years as a band before anybody cared at all, mm-hmm. um, about anything we were doing. I mean, for the first, um, yeah, for the first three years we were existing in college, we were under a different band name. Um, and, uh, we, we were the Sunday mail, mm-hmm. um, cause the mail doesn't come on Sundays. Get I it? Um, right. uh, very, very yeah, um, Harry Potter for me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah we were just playing for our friends and mm-hmm. you know playing the school cafeteria for every benefit show that they had and um so the, but we still aggressively promoted ourselves and we were very excited right. when like 30 30 people would show up to the <laughs> so you know whatever 18 plus bar we were playing uh-huh. um and yeah, I remember there was like kind of a sequence of events. We got like a couple of good opening gigs on campus for like yeah. the fall fest and spring fling kind of, you know, you're, you're telling um, where we were like right now, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and between that and finally having some, like I spent all my summer work money to, 
to fund our first album, which oh, cool. we made when we were like in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, so we started releasing songs from that. And then there was this one show. I remember like, it was very well-timed because it was all of our parents were in town for graduation. It was a graduation weekend. Um, and we did uh, somehow managed to book ourselves at the Black Hat in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., and um, almost sold it out. It was like 700 people came out mm-hmm. and it just felt incredible. We, you know, we were totally riding on a high. It was our first really big show that we'd played. Yeah. And what was great is our, our family, our, our families were all there to see it. So nobody really questioned it when um, we decided to hit, to try and hit the road after that and tour and, and, you know, minivan for three years. Um, Dude, I'm so jealous. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a blessing. Cause, cause I, I don't know if I'm enough parental pressure is, is like discussed or really like, it's kind of a big deal. Like you're raised by these people who want you to be successful and not like squander the resources that they brought you up with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. And then, and then you just kind of go, I know, but I want to sing or whatever. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't listen. Like my parent, my parents are super supportive yeah, of, of my cre- creative endeavors. Yeah. But there is that element of, you know, I think if, I think they might've questioned it a little bit if they'd seen us play in Philly, let's say, yeah. where, you know, it took us five years to draw more than like 20 people, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For a while we had this weird phenomenon where we, we're playing to like 10 to 20 people everywhere in the country, except in DC where we could draw like 800 people. Right. Yeah. It's I um, really weird. I, I mean, I think we, we might be kind of there. Like, like LA shows are really big for us. We have a couple other markets that work really well for us, but, but we haven't really had to, to pass the muster yet because our first headliner was, was supposed to be uh, March of 2020, which infamous. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then uh, I'm very sad thinking back to the, that moment now. Cause, cause there's all that, you know, uh, momentum that, that just gets completely ousted. Yeah. Oh, that's, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That <laughs> it's <okay>. sucks. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but, but we'll, we'll have another chance to learn. It's all, it's, it's life. It's not like it only happened to us, you know? Yeah. You guys, you, yeah, you gotta do it. <laughs> it happened to everybody, but, but, uh, but you guys had the same, right? Weren't you guys scheduled to head out again? Uh, like right when everything shut down. Yeah. We had kind of a, we had like a little, a little tour based around mm-hmm. a couple of college shows. Um, oh, but cool. it wasn't like, um, it was definitely like a, um, um, it wasn't like the big album headlining tour or Got anything it. like that. It was like very much just like a, yeah. uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's play this town and see what happens. We just, um, we just got a college agent. We're, we're, we're trying out the whole, like we played colleges in, in California. College gigs are, oh, they're weird. <laughs> I'm kind of ready. <laughs> yeah. They're well, what I'm fascinated about, I'm always fascinated by college gigs because they're you never you you don't know what you're walking into. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Because the money the money's great. Sure. So that's that's, that's why they're worth playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you don't know if it's going to be the whole campus is going to decide to show up in solidarity as like this huge 
like we've had like thousand person, right. 1500 person like campus shows. And then we've also had the ones where you play like some, you know, you know, state college has like 30,000 kids and like, <laughs> like five people show up. Right. And you're like, do you, so you really n- don't know. Would, you, would yeah. you guys like to just be on stage with us? <laughs> like, it's really a crazy concept that like, you know, mm-hmm. these, the, these colleges just like hand college students, like all this money. And they're like, here, spend this on bands. Or it goes away. <laughs> I know it's really crazy. Right. And they're like 19 year olds in charge of like our livelihood. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. But it's like, it is very funny. Cause like in theory would be like preparing to be a booking agent in the real world or an event sure. booker or something. But I think it might give you a skewed perception of what of that what is. Usually people off. don't just hand you a bunch of money. So true. And also it's not <laughs> like it's considered student government, like student government is the programming director, right? Like it's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the wrong path to be a booker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it's like do you like politics here be book a book a small venue <laughs> i never thought of it i've never thought of ourselves as like you know we're like the kennedy center of, yeah. of that of that college for the year right um but i i i um like like we've been asked to do um we've been asked to do we've been, <laughs> we've done move-in weekends where like it's like just for the freshman quad or like you're the band playing for the kids while they like get their catering and their families. So like you technically throughout the day, you might play to, to, to several hundred, like maybe like 800 kids, but they're all eating and like literally moving in. So they're just kind of around <laughs> you. Yeah. That was a funny one. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. It, it, if you, it, if you go into touring and with any kind of chip on your shoulder, like, or any, or just any kind of ego around it, like you're yeah. going to be knocked down a peg. It's yeah. like, it's amazing how many humiliating situations you get put in and like a, in the very early part of your career. And I'm actually kind of baffled by people who seem to avoid it completely. Yeah, me too. Um, no, it's, and it's a lot of, I love the delusion. I love like playing a show to 20 people and being like, we, we crushed. Same. <laughs> Same. No, I've had I've had just as good a shows in front of twenty people as <laughs> as fifteen hundred. It's like, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so let's so y'all are playing, you know, the big uh, black hat show, and you guys set out. And for a long time, was it just like nose to the grindstone, like knuckling through shows that had like small draws? What was I don't know. When, when did you guys like start to feel like maybe some attention outside of hometown? Yeah. So we, we had a, um, there was a, it's funny. We actually met him when he was in high school, but this, at uh, this guy, Seth, he was, op- he opened for us at a, mm-hmm. he was in high school and he drove down to uh, our college to um, open for us at a, a cafeteria uh, benefit show for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like hung out with him and he, he I, I don't think he said it at that time. I think he said it maybe like a year or two later, he went to NYU and he was like, I want to manage you guys. And we were like, yeah, right. You no. know, but we were like, but also like, okay, sure. You know, we don't right. know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was going to like the you know, music business school at NYU. And um, so he started, he got us on the whole path of like hooked us up with uh kind of like small time, like regional booking agent who's really great. Just uh-huh. got us a lot of like, I don't know, tours when we still were just touring in a minivan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, and I'm trying to think from there. I mean, we sort of, you know, it was in that weird untrackable internet space where the blog rock era, where you could really tell where people were coming from that were listening to you. Right. But our first record did start to like organically gain some, some steam enough that like a, dis- a distributor picked it up to put it in stores. Um, and then from there, it was, it's honestly just been like the slowest growth. Like, we never had like some big moment. Um, it was always just like, you know, we play Pittsburgh and 10 people would be there. And the next time we come and be 25 people. And the next time we came it'd be 50 people mm-hmm. and then go back down to 30 and then it'll go to up to 80. And, you know, just that very slow chart. We almost had like the trajectory of like a jam band or something like it wasn't, <laughs> there was no wave of, um, you know, buzz or industry support. It was very much like this sort of word of mouth um, thing, which it's, it's proven to be great for us because it's like those kind of people don't leave. They're not fickle and they don't like, if you, if they, if you do a record that they don't like, they're not gone forever. Dude, I, I, I really relate to that. I, I don't think we, there's never been anything like viral about our band or anything. Like I'm kind of jealous of the, of the, I kind of feel envious of like the MySpace era or like blog rock era, like when the internet's still starting out. I mean, there's, there's moments, you know, obviously there's great things happening in music now, but, but I really feel akin to that, to that, like, you just kind of slog through it and then you really connect to the people who are there. Cause like they had a really special moment and they could have a conversation, like you could hear the audience. Totally. You know? And like, I can still think of like the crowd in Houston when I broke my banjo string for the one song that I played banjo on and like, and like, they bring that up if we go back there, you know, like the, those right, things right. like really carry with, with the crowd. And, and um, yeah, there's like, you know, plenty of people can comment on our, on our pictures on the internet. And I'm like, I know who those people are. I've met them. I remember meeting them, you know? Right. Right. Um, oh, and I should mention too, that the guy I was talking about, who was managing our band while he was at NYU, mm-hmm. he's still our manager. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. He's had, he's had like the same <laughs> sort of like very slow growth thing that, that we had as well. So that's um, amazing. And, and, uh, good for him to know what he wanted to do that young. Cause like he clearly wanted to be in music to like play, but he, you know, was like, I want to manage you guys. Yeah. I don't know why anybody would want to do that part of the music business. <laughs> That's always sense. been really interesting to me. Right. <laughs> would you ever become a manager? I think, I think I maybe would, but you think so? I think I, I, I think I, I respect I, that. I think I maybe would. I, I, I enjoy, because you know what, I really like talking to my friends honestly about their projects, like what I think they could be doing, Mm. you know, improving on. I just don't know if I would want to do the hard work to get them there. I think I would just want to tell them that. (laughs) So I feel like I'd be like, I'd be down to be a shitty manager. (laughs) That's what shitty managers do, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I have a lot of like, oh, that's funny. I have a lot of like single phone calls with my friends who are like, Hey, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, here's what you didn't do on the last release, but that's not, that's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of helpful. Um, so, so when did the, when did the visual art start, start lining up for you? I'm guessing it might've been a thing that to do on the van. I got my copy by the way. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. The, 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 
drawing kind of drawing was my first love before music. Okay. Um, like as a kid, that was like all I, I wanted to do. I just drew faces all the time. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, so I, everyone, including my family, was like totally shocked when I kind of abandoned it when I like mm-hmm. had that. I did that thing where you go through puberty and you're like, you shed all of your childhood interests yeah. mm-hmm. at once. Um, and I think everyone was very disturbed that I'd like, was just totally giving up drawing. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, I want to play rock music. I, it's core. Um, and so, yeah, totally went down that path and forgot about cartooning. And then it wasn't until, yeah, we had all this time in, in the, in the van on tour that, I started sketching kind of idly and then I started taking requests from fans of the band on social media. Nice. So it kind of became like a fun, like tour shtick where it was like, you know, we were coming to Houston, like someone from Houston requests a drawing and they'll, you know, they'd be like, draw a unicorn riding a bicycle or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, that that's a terrible example. Um, I'm sure it's real. <laughs> something equally esoteric. Um, yes. And then I would draw it and tweet it back at them. And it kind of became like a fun tour thing. That's great. And then, yeah, from there I started like, I don't know. I had that thought of like, you know, I'm, I'm always drawing what other people are asking me to draw. And I had no idea what I wanted to draw. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I, when I sit down with a guitar, I know how to like, come up with a song out of thin air and i didn't have that feeling with um cartooning so i started doing a daily challenge to see if like you know if like if i turned on that creative faucet would there be anything in there you know yeah Yeah. well that's i mean it's brilliant because this candy hearts book that i held up for you that i realized listeners can't see um i think it's amazing like i i it's the coffee table book out there because anybody who comes over who could flip it open like any page is is very funny and very relatable and it feels like the kind of thing where it was like uh, a really good avenue for you to like express something visually and have the writing in there like like it's kind of a perfect i don't know it's like a perfect little presentation and it's very like you can use it a lot you know well, dude, I mean, first of all, I'm so honored that someone like you has it as a coffee table book for when people come over. Cause that's like, to me, that's like the Valhalla of what that book was meant for. So I'm like totally honored that you're uh-huh. saying that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think, um, I don't know, uh, candy hearts in particular for me have been interesting as like, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been someone who's like, you know, as a songwriter, you know, sure, I write some stuff about like my inner life, but a lot of it's kind of fantastical and almost sci-fi, like the lyrics that I tend to gravitate towards. And so with uh-huh. cartooning, um, I I don't know. It's interesting to me that the Candy Hearts have become this um, thing because yeah. it almost feels like I'm supposed to do more learning about myself and about how I interact with with people. It's like, this i don't know like psychology and relationships have never been like something that's been an interest of mine like okay um you know if i'm going to sit down and watch a movie i don't watch like uh, a romantic drama or something you know and yet i feel like with candy hearts i'm like supposed to really needle at the core of of human what people are feeling yeah yeah yeah, you know um that's which has been really interesting and it feels raw you know like like, i I find my for you yeah yeah or like um well i think part 
I, I can't decide if this is something holding it back or if it's a benefit to it that um, I feel like it's un- it definitely has uncovered like, you know, uh, I think the best ones do some deep probing into something that's like pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> or 100%. cynical in some, you know? Yeah. Um, well, one of my favorites, for instance, is the one where, uh, I, I forgive me, I'm sure you know better than me, the thing that they're saying over the phone to to their their significant other whose who's only thoughts is uh, season three, episode 10 or whatever, right? Like they're oh. watching Netflix while somebody else is like recounting their day. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but But what that is, is like, I don't know. I relate to that because I've, I've been a a bad listener as a as a boyfriend before, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I know what it feels like to not be listened to too, but also like we're all out here hella addicted to our Netflix. So, um, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's moments in there that I think, um, yeah, I guess that is a tall order if that's not something that you're like constantly paying attention to. I bet you that made, it made you like pay attention to every everybody's relationships and stuff a lot more when you started. Yeah. Yeah. No pros and cons there for sure. Like (laughs) it definitely like, like, yeah. Any, yeah. The problem is now like any romantic relationship, whether it's um, something in my own life or something Uh I'm witnessing through friends or family, there's just so many moments where I'm like, huh, how would I make a candy hearts out of that? You know, (laughs) inescapable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's been kind of a useful experience for me though, I think, because it, again, like it, it sort of forces me to, um, I don't know, I think labeling your, um, your inner life, um, can be really, um, I don't know if liberating is the right word, but, um, I don't know, separating yourself from how you're feeling in that moment. And, um, you know, I, I think the candy hearts are a lot about like sort of making fun of the those temporary selves that we are. You yeah, know? I think it's healthy to if you label something, you give it a name. It's like less scary, right? Instead of just being like, "Yeah, What's on with me." Why am I fucked up? Etc. Yeah, um, I love that. That's great. Wait, so how did this how did this solo record play into? Because you released this this record on your own last year as well. It feels like you've been very busy in in the lockdown. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, th- thankfully I had a lot of stuff coming into the lockdown. I wasn't, I was product. I was productive during lockdown, but I would say mm-hmm. I was more like manic productive before the lockdown happened. And so I had a lot of stuff that was like in the works. Yeah. I had the two books that were already in the works and then that solo record was done as well. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, the solo record was, um, yeah, it's my first time putting out something under, under my own name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, very different than jukebox, but it was, uh, I don't know, a world musical world that I was, had been exploring for years. And, um, I was su- super stoked about it. There's I a really lot of cowbell. Like it, man. I love, yeah, lots <laughs> of cowbell. It feels like there's some cake elements in there. There's very slinky, bouncy oh, guitars yeah. that like, uh, it's very good to listen to on, you know, with with the with the lr going on because because yeah all the guitars are are panned hard left and hard right yeah Yeah. well so i had to you 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 might enjoy this so i like i had a bunch of rules around the record okay um i love it was like limited very limited songwriting right so giving yourself like limitations so Mm -hmm. one of them was that there could only be two guitars 
they were panned left and every song panned left and right and they couldn't be playing at the same time wow (laughs) um so if there was a riff like let's say the riff was like like um like one guitar goes you know and the other one follows with the next notes and so um so that was one of the rules one of the other rules was that um the the guitars don't play chords yes so the chord movement is decided by the bass so the the bass parts are what tell you yeah what the chord is yeah um and yeah i mean i guess another rule was just that uh every song had to have cowbell (laughs) um and congas which is not something i've ever done so that that was a new experiment i loved it i i okay I think it worked because it really set a tone for an album, which, which, you know, I think some albums accomplish and others don't. Right. And, and I think setting rules, right. Like, like uh, we're currently trying to get really concepty with this record that we're making and uh, who knows how successful that'll be or not like at the end of it. Right. And well, I think, well, what are your rules? Well, the rules are that it's, it's separated into three sections. So we have the first sections they're all folk songs and the second section is pop songs and the third section is rock songs. So the last part of the album will be, will sound like what we've always sounded like in a sense, but the, the first three songs are all acoustic guitar based. And then the four in the middle, it goes three, four, five and the four in the middle all have um, either like sample drums or uh, synths, um, which is newer territory for us. So we we want to like like strongly divided by that, and then we have the one song that's like acoustic that goes into synthy stuff, like that song, yeah. the transitional song. So cool, I like that. That's like it's kind of like almost like structured, like if it was a set of music in front of you, you know, and you're like, okay, here's right. the the part where we go to the acoustic stage and right. get to the front of the stage, and yeah, yeah, that was the goal. That's we cool. haven't heard of anybody doing anything that. like that, and we were like looking at these songs, we're like, these could really be divided, and and it so and and also one of the main reasons we made that distinction was because we had like 25 songs that were just songs that we couldn't decide what was going to make the record, and once you went like we we have to have a certain amount of acoustic tracks and a certain amount of pop songs and rock songs. Then it was like, instead of like 25 songs, it was like, we have to get eight rock songs down to five, you know? Yeah. And, and it was just like, it was just very helpful for us in a decision-making way, which is like, not, you know, I don't know. I think, I just think rules are fun. (laughs) So I I loved hearing that. Totally. Um, Totally. I mean, that's why like, um, like, I don't know, like on like stand-up comedians are really good on Twitter you know yeah or like like twitter's great for comedy and all the other yeah. platforms kind of s- suck for comedy but totally. like <laughs> twitter's great for comedy because it has a weird limitation to it you yeah know? uh did you see that um the the comedy store doc on showtime no i haven't oh crushed me i loved it but there was one comedian there who was complaining he's like i don't know why all these comedians waste their jokes on twitter but it's like dude it's a (laughs) it's a different audience you know like i bet you if somebody read the tweet and then saw you do a stand-up show they'd probably be happy because they recognized it you know yeah yeah yeah. it was getting i know that one (laughs) yeah it's really funny yeah (laughs) um okay sweet so so you went into it with a bunch of manic amount of work was that crazy what was what did the quarantine look like for you how did you structure your days i 
Are you in Virginia right now still? I'm in Virginia right now, yeah. Very cool. My my, um, ba- my base has just moved to Virginia, actually. He lives in Richmond. Now. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's that's where I am. Look at that. Oh, Very cool. I'm going to let him know. Should, yeah, I should. I, I would like to find out who this who this person is. He's very handsome. Um, if you see a handsome man around Richmond, that's handsome that's man. I'll, I'll be like, "Hey, did you play bass?" And then he'll be like, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, "That's awesome." Yeah, Rich Richmond's great. Um, yeah, I've actually been I've been moving from place to place pretty much the whole pandemic. Wow. Um, I lived in New York for the last eleven years, and then early in the pandemic. Um, so my sister was basically like, she had just gotten this new job where she was overseeing, she was the one doctor for this nursing home with like 400 people Oh my god! It, like living in the nursing home. Um, so COVID hits and she had, she had the foresight to go like, I'm going to be quarantined from my kids and my husband. Yeah. And like, we had this, you know, one bedroom apartment. Um, so she sent them down to Richmond to live with my parents. Um, and so I went down too to be like another parent on deck. That's amazing. Um, so I basically, I spent like the first four months of the pandemic, mostly hanging out with my niece and nephew. Um, How old are they? Which was actually like, they're uh, right now they are four and six. Cool. Fun. Um yeah, they're they're very cool. Um but yeah, so that was like a weird early pandemic um intense experience because obviously I'm not experienced in childcare or anything. So <laughs> right. um but it was it was very cool. It was like kind of kept me away from the sort of career doom and gloom that I think like I would have gone through otherwise because it was more like <laughs> like my career doesn't matter. Like I have to make sure that these kids eat enough baby eat. carrots, you know. Or, yeah, totally. Or <laughs> um so she, anyway, she finally, um, she, I mean, they were totally slammed with COVID at that, that nursing home. So they had, sure, they, they, yeah. had, they had like 180 COVID cases or something Jesus. in the end. Um, terrible, terrible. Uh, she's a total hero. She's um, a trooper. That's insane. Oh, it's crazy. The, the stuff she went through. Um, so anyways, she got reunited with her family in June. And then basically since then I've been kind of working on creative projects and, um, doing a little bit of time in New York, working on a jukebox record. Mm-hmm. Um, probably spent five months of last year combined, like working on a new record. Um, and yeah, had like a quarantine work from home with some friends up in, in Maine. Um, that was really great. And then was in Florida for the winter and, um, yeah, just been kind of moving around. You're doing it right, yeah. man. You, How I- about you? What's, what's your deal? Well, how's your, I, how's your, how's your pandemic? How's my pandemic been? It's also been waves. Um, so like beginning of it, we like started trying so hard to, to like keep up, you know, and everybody's doing those Instagram lives and we were selling all this merch and making our own merch and doing these demos and being like, we're going to be the most productive band in the history of time. And we were all living in this house together. And then we were just like, we were like, this is, I'm tired. <laughs> so after yeah. like doing that for a little while. Um, everybody just kind of went off on their own and it was really good discovery time. And so I went home to San Diego and, uh, and I had a delightful, I had, so, so my job, um, outside of the band that has really developed this year, I always did it a little bit between tours and stuff, but, uh, 
uh, I sing to babies. I do like mommy and me music classes. Oh, that's uh, awesome, dude. It's awesome. So like, I, you know, I, I sing, you know, wheels on the bus like four times a day, which is like a nightmare, but like being a part of these kids' lives, I didn't realize it was going to be the thing that I love so much. Like I'm like the guy who introduces them to music, like Mr. Peter's their favorite person. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then I, you know, play, I got a little bubble gun. They play with bubbles. It's, it's cool. And so uh, I like got, I like worked for like one preschool every morning at 10 AM. So at the very least I like did some work. <laughs> which was like I would do these zooms with a bunch of kids at 10 and I was their Spanish teacher and then after that I would like work on music work out like play I would play a lot of basketball just because I miss playing basketball and there's a hoop at home and stuff so um I had a really nice time in in San Diego and then and then came back up here and we ended up recording those the rest of those songs for that EP uh my job kind of picked up like parents were losing their mind with their kids in their house uh (laughs) (laughs) so like i started Uh, doing like public park classes and so i still do them now so it's like in the mornings i'll go and i'll do like three classes in the park and like everybody will be spread out on these little blankets and um oh that's great it's great it's really cool and it still gives me like i was always looking for the job that i could have like to not you know so i could eat and, and live in LA, like when we weren't on the road. And this has kind of turned out to be something that I really enjoy too. Um, yeah. And it's, and you know, it's, it's kind of like a good amount of like, it drains me. Like I usually, after I do a class with the kids, I still need to like sit around for like 45 minutes just because kids are so tiring as you know, being a, yeah. <laughs> a childcare person now too. Um, but you know, like an uncle status, well, I guess you probably have it a little tougher than this, but like you know, I just get to entertain them and walk away. Like I don't have to do any disciplinarian or take care of anybody. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. You know? uh-huh. um, and besides that, it's just been a lot of like writing new. It's mostly been like, I'll tell you what's going on with me right now. I'm like kind of scared. Uh, we, my drum, my drummer's done with all his parts for this record. My bassist is done. We have like, and it's kind of all on me now. Like all the vocals and guitar is up. And it's like mm. a weird, like daunting thing where I could do it by myself, but I don't want to, like, I want them, or, you know, I want to like, um, share the experience of like, especially guitar parts, like vocals, I feel more locked in on and like, I know what I'm singing and stuff, but. So. Well, now at least, I mean, you're probably, everyone's probably vaxxed and you can get together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and my so. drummer's my roommate stuff, which is good. So like, um, yeah. Anyway, that's that. But that's my, my that's my current current daunting task. <laughs> yeah, that's a. I feel you though. That's a scary part of the record process when you actually know you're on the precipice of getting to hear it. Yeah. For the first time, and it's on you. Yeah. Whether, like, how good how good that experience is, you know. I think I think part of it is um. It's like a. <laughs> we have so many songs that are almost done, but zero songs that are completely done. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, but, but I think, I think the main thing is just that we've never done a full length before. So I think us chunking it out the way I told you is actually like, that's, that was my breakthrough today. That's my new, my psyche is excited about the fact that it's like, don't think about 12 songs. Just think about these three and they're acoustic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, 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 I like it. I think that's yeah, great. Good. And yeah, I, 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 it, it does feel kind of, I don't know if I've actually listened to a record like that. 
seems like why wouldn't it work? You know, you know, because why not? Because people usually want to put that slow acoustic track at seven or eight. You know, right? They always take you down around seven or eight. I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were talking about on Instagram, like doing like that that sort of like early pandemic live streaming hustle. Yeah. Um, and. I, 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 this is not going to, this is the worst thing ever to do on a podcast probably, but <laughs> I was working on a comic literally this morning about that subject. Oh, good. Um, so it's got this guy, um, playing a comic in the before, or excuse me, uh, playing a concert in, in the before times and he's setting <laughs> up and he's getting a text that says like, Hey, sorry, can't make it dude. Uh, dinner went so late. And then it's playing a concert during the pandemic. And, um, He's he's about to stream in his computer and getting a text that says, "Sorry, I can't make it to the show, dude. I just don't like your music." <laughs> With the ring light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of the that, there was that and that that feeling. Um, I mean, I'm joking, obviously, but that like the the live stream thing. I mean, people were was, early on were like, "This is going to replace concerts," and I was like, "No, it's no, not. It's not." <laughs> <laughs> we did. It was fun for a little bit to like. But, but it was fun for a little bit to just do the thing, and then people were excited, and everybody's on their phone, and everybody's in their cute work from home outfits, <laughs> like in their pajamas, just like pretending like yeah. this is good enough. Um, <laughs> no, it has a place. It has a place, but that place is not replacing concerts. <laughs> no, that place was April twenty twenty, and never again. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah. And there was that weird hustle of like, you know, I think it was also before, like it was clear that everyone was going to get some decent unemployment money, you know, where everyone who's creative was like, there's this mad scramble to, to, to conquer the streaming, the live streaming landscape. And I must be an early adopter and I have to get to the top of it, you know? Yeah. I remember it just felt like such a huge shift, a huge split in my, uh, in my feed of the, because we're college bands, right? So all the kids I went to school with in college who, like had corporate gigs they were like chilling and they're like with their you know significant other like hanging out on like balconies and like drinking while they work and then i saw all my musician friends and people i'd toured with and played shows around la who were like ah like just so scared (laughs) yeah this is two different worlds i'm deeply entrenched (laughs) Uh, it was a a scary silly time uh, yeah, I'm glad not to be in the manic uh, first two months of pandemic energy. That was wild. That was so crazy um, everywhere. Um, I I know we're just harping on it, but now it's almost nostalgic now to think about. Uh, the other one that I thought was interesting was like uh, like bands going over to Twitch, and then like yeah, and then gamers kind of being like, "We don't want you." Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and everyone's manager is like is like you gotta you gotta build your tiktok following you're, you're like, like i don't know how I, i'm bad at it <laughs> i'm terrible at this yeah my songs aren't about butts i don't know what to and, do <laughs> i'm really bad at this hey what's up guys to nothing like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. I guess I should interview you at some point, right? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this, is, this is great. Okay, good. Well, I got my like, I call it lightning round, but they don't have to be quick. I just ask these questions to everybody. Um, so can you think of the best show you guys have ever played? 
Mm. Uh, luckily, maybe the best show Jukebox has played was right before the pandemic hit. So we great. got to kind of sit with that. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we just had a great, um, it was on Halloween night, um, sold out show at the 930 Club um, doing, we do this tour at Halloween every Halloween. year called Halloween. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, where, yeah, so we do we do a, f- a full set of Jukebox the Ghost and then take an intermission, get into costume, and then come out and do a full set of Queen. Dude, it's, um, it is so fun. It it's it is I gotta say as a guitarist too it's like it's so fun like getting to getting to be allowed to pretend you're Brian May is insane for like an hour and a half is and just you wear a big like wig the best wear a big wig yeah we do the whole the whole the whole thing God. um but we just had a particularly good one it, yeah. you know and it was like the circumstances around the show were kind of crazy ben had lost his voice completely oh, we no. thought we were gonna have to cancel it and just like by a force of a steroidal mouthwash <laughs> mouthwash gargle and like some protocol he did he managed to pull it off and it, but it was like you know we are we were already well oiled on the queen stuff but like yeah. having that feeling of every song that we're allowed to play because his voice is hanging on for dear life also feels like a miracle too yeah it was just totally. like it was an amazing show amazing oh, show man. um yeah. yeah i love that so much that's so so fun and you know the queen thing like you you um you guys shred so hard I mean, that's not a question. And just, you guys, you know, everybody, like, your your band is so good, but, like, so technical. Like, I even watching that, um, I watched the, was it StubHub? What did you guys do that Christmas YouTube series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And when you guys did What's This, I was like, this is so complex. And, like, everybody's doing, like, crazy classical scales. And it seemed very natural to all you guys to 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 just, like, weave in and out of a, like power pop piano thing into like very technical classically based stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, you know, I try to keep up in my own way, but I mean, Ben is definitely the musical wizard of the, I mean, he's like a classical prodigy, you know, it's like I'm like uh-huh. a typical, I'm like a rock guitarist. So it's like, okay. <laughs> sure. I know my scales, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I can't sit down and read sheet music, um, <laughs> you know, at first glance. So yeah. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a real, he's a real wizard, which, um, is kind of great. Cause, um, I don't know. We all, we all, we all get to benefit from that. Yeah. Um, and you all get to watch sort it of, too, which is cool. Like how many, yeah, how many totally. times you get to see like piano playing like that in a band? It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay. Hold on. I realized before I started these, I have to check. Oh, I just want to say one song that you sing that I really, really like is made for ending. That sounds really great. Um, oh thanks man yeah i uh i like the the message of it and and uh it almost gives me like death cab energy in a sense but cool yeah i really like that song man cool glad you like it Mm -hmm. i was just checking my notes to make sure i covered all my questions but it wasn't a question yeah yeah here's my follow-up to the best show question is worst show can you think of a really shitty show story for me um oh man Oh, there's too many is the problem. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, we actually, the wor- maybe the worst one happened two weeks ago, but I'm not ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> um, okay, good. 
it's traumatic, but um, yeah, yeah. there was, let me think of a funny, bad one. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't, um, I'm not trying to get you in any hot water. No, no, I know. I, I don't want you to relive trauma. I just, I bring this up because everybody needs to know that we've all been through a bunch of nightmare shows as, as oh, every, yeah, every, everyone should know that every band that they like has played. They they might have even seen them play the worst show of their career Dude, and had no happened. idea. I was interviewing Dave from Tokyo Police Club and I go, like I saw you at this show and he goes, oh my god, that was horrible. And I saw you at this yeah, show and right. he goes, that was the second worst show ever except for this other one. <laughs> That's so great. Um, we did have. Uh, I'm actually. Uh, we we had a rough tour a couple of years ago and and it's no fault of this band that we were we hadn't done an opening tour in a while. Okay. And we were finally starting to get some alternative radio play for the first time. And so we got set up on tour, uh, opening for this band, dirty heads, um, kind of like a reggae, reggae rock band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're great. Um, their audience was not in the mood for jukebox. The ghost. <laughs> it was like tough guys with goatees and backwards baseball hats and yeah. like big muscles, like, Mm-hmm. Just like their audience was like so many guys who look like bouncers, kind of, you know, like they're just yeah. like, they're Another tough. Type. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, our drummer would just come on stage every night and his like, you know, his like, uh, I don't know, polka dot fedora and <laughs> suspenders. And you could just see the looks on everybody's, they're just scowls. Um, so anyway, that was a tough tour. But I, the, the memory that really sticks out was that Ben would, was trying to get the audience to clap along. And there was this one lady who was determined the entire set to keep giving him two middle fingers for the entire duration of the set. Oh my God. And he gets to one of one of the parts where he's trying to get everyone to clap along. And she starts, she starts like putting her middle fingers together. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. That always. That's perfect. How do you get, how do you muscle through stuff like that? Weirdly, I found that, that I enjoyed I I enjoyed that tour on like a sick level because like we hadn't had that experience in a long time. Uh-huh. And there was something liberating about um You're getting too comfy. You know, there's well yeah, you can get a little up your own ass about like <laughs> I don't know, your own value or whatever. And it was just uh-huh. there was something liberating about going on stage every night for a a, a room filled with people who would never like you yeah i i don't know why there was something fun about it to me because it was I, just like well we just we just play whatever we want because uh-huh. they're they're gonna hate it regardless of what we do so um the only way we managed to like not be booed on that tour was we started um we started playing rage against the machine covers every night so fun um yeah, yeah. so they, it became kind of fun because it was low completely low stakes yeah I love I love how open to the covers you guys have always been. I think a lot of uh, bands really try to shy away from like we were at originals or whatever. But like for instance, like whenever we do a hometown show or like a big LA show, we try to make a point of learning one or two uh, like cheesy fun songs, whether that's like "Float On" or, or "Tears for Fears" or or. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, you know, uh, you were talking about the history of your band and it, uh-huh. it, it does sound very similar to us. Um, 
I don't know about you guys. I mean, that that came from us college. being a uh, a college band in a way, totally because like right. if if we we're playing a party, like mm-hmm. you had to be able to pull a couple of covers out of your back pocket at the end of the night, or yeah. else you were not a very good college band. You know, hundred percent. No, you're totally right. It, I think it does stem from that. I think it's a. Uh, because from the beginning, we would be able to do a couple pop punk songs, which is very nostalgic for, for right. right? And so it started there and then, you know, and then it became a thing where we're like, if we're going to play a show, we got to like, let's, let's like prepping the cover was part of the set eventually, which is so, yeah, yeah I think you're right. I think you're right. College. <laughs> well, one, and once you get the buzz of, of, of seeing how how you can work a room with a cut with covers like that Uh it's hard to then not do it (laughs) it's so true you're like if only they reacted this way to the songs that i that were in my heart (laughs) well then what's great is you can you 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 can put them at like the two-thirds point of the set and then the last third Mm -hmm. of the set when you go back to originals people are elevated you know they're more amped that's so true so you get you you get to like coast off of the queen energy or the (laughs) you know tears for fears energy or whatever completely um, okay, so I'm just gonna ask you, uh, like, what's a big lesson you've learned about these different topics? So, what's a big lesson about writing? Uh, like songwriting. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Lesson I've learned about songwriting. I guess I feel like I've learned that like showing up is like mm. your friend. Yeah. You know, like I used to kind of wait for that lightning to strike. Um, but, um, I don't know. I find that a lot of my song, my favorite songs will happen because I've like turned the process on its head a little bit. Yeah. Like my solo record is like very much the product of me having been a guitarist writing songs on acoustic guitar my whole life and going like, well, what if I just wrote a song to this drum? Right. Yeah. And I didn't have a guitar part at all. Um, and that got me on a whole (laughs) kick of writing. So I feel like, yeah, it's like, if you turn your process upside down and, you know, stay open and keep showing up that that's like where the fun is. Perfect. Uh, what about a lesson about collaborating? Hmm. Um, lesson about collaborating. Yeah. I think like, just like for our band, like finding a home for people's individuality within the collaboration is like proven to be the most important thing. If people um, feel like they can be their true self in the collaboration, that's when like the really good stuff happens. Oh, I love that. Um, You know, so it's like, like the, I, you know, the yes and thing is great, but Mm -hmm. there is a limitation because you can end up yes. Anding yourself into things you don't like. Yeah. Um, But if you can um, kind of respect whatever, everybody's everybody's esotericness that they're bringing to the table then um it can be that's when for me collaborations become more than the some other parts i love that does jesse ever write stuff besides drums for the band he does actually jesse has a um his own band called jesse dylan and the scaredy cats um it's very like tom petty rock and roll he sings and plays guitar sick um and yeah, he's a great, he's a great songwriter. We're, okay. I think this next batch is going to be his first true, he's sung stuff on our records before, but it's generally been stuff that we've written for him to sing. Uh-huh. Um, and I think this record's going to finally have a, his Phil Collins moment. I have, I have that in my bassist, Colin, who 
this is the one in Richmond who like hell yeah he writes these he writes songs that we really like and then we go we want to use those songs for the record and he's like no maybe not yet <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> like he you know that's his his place in this or whatever but uh but I think like there's like we'll get there we'll get there whenever that moment is yeah there, for know? sure <laughs> but I also want to bring that up because because um I don't know. I don't know if drummers always get their fair shake, their their acknowledgement for the stuff that they write too. <laughs> you know? My, yeah, totally. My very involved with the writing now as of recent, more so lately, which has been really fun for me. Um, yeah, totally. What about a big lesson in visual art? Um, I feel like my lesson so far with visual art is to continue being a baby who's learning things. Like I, I feel... Uh-huh. I've done a lot of drawing, but I, I feel like I benefit from not pretending like I know what I'm doing. Um, Cause like, I'll get, I'll get stuck in a style. Like, you know, when I was doing the candy hearts thing, I got really stuck in this, like the backgrounds are realistic and the candy hearts look like this. And mm-hmm. it was nice to finally finish the book. And lately I've been kind of experimenting with like new, just new ways of doing things and different yeah. ways for characters to look and different paint brushes and, you know, a lot of times feeling like an idiot when it doesn't look good, but um, (laughs) I'm enjoying the, the total rookie feeling, which, you know, for music, like I feel like I've been in it long enough that that rookie feeling of happy accidents is like hard, sometimes hard to find. Sure. Cause you like know it too well. Yeah. But with, yeah, with art, I'm really enjoying being a rookie. Right. You found a different medium to get the the same feeling. That's great. Um, I was just laughing. I was just smiling because I just remembered how disturbing sexy Pringle Man is. (laughs) 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 I would say he's, I I can't, yeah. What do you think? More sexy or more disturbing? I would, I would argue more disturbing just for me, but I wish, (laughs) I wish I said more sexy. I wish I felt that way. (laughs) <laughs> i mean once you pop you don't stop he's coming for you oh god damn it um what about a big lesson you've learned from another artist maybe somebody you guys have toured with or um yeah that's sort of mm. that's that's a really that's a really good question um another artist that we've toured with you know we 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 toured a couple times with the band guster um and i feel like we learned a lot from watching them they're also a three-piece mm-hmm. they've been around for a long time they have multiple songwriters um there's just a there's a certain level of like grace and levity and humor in their existence as a band and i think um we learned from that as like a young band that was hungry in ways that sometimes brought us into conflict with each other or Mm -hmm. um yeah or just made touring not as much fun um they just seem like they prioritized making sure that tour is like fun and that there is a lot of laughing that's awesome. you know yeah yeah so we learned from that good that's great that's a that's a really good one it it seems like um 
like a modeled behavior thing more than some wisdom that somebody imparted, which is great. Yeah, we never talked to them about it. We were just like, <laughs> we knew that if if we hung out on the bus, that it was fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> which is not not true for every band, you know? No, certainly not. I've definitely um, <laughs> seen I've seen a fair share of of like, ooh, dark. Or like I've caught, um, I specifically remember one time bumping into my friends who were like, wrapping up their tour and just got back and 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 they like had their last show in LA and I was like how was it and they were like not good like by the end of it like you know you know going to the next town in in a different bus then you know like that kind of yeah. stuff happens it, it can get dark and sad you know it's weird yeah no 100 percent. And, and it seems so silly when you take a step back you're like you're just like you're people who were friends at some point and you're playing rock music like take it easy you know i know it's but final, it's it's final tough is weirdly real man it's it's, it, it's so real that's it's the so most real. embarrassing part about that movie is it's like we've all done all that stuff well we need what we need to take is the advice of the who's it i can't remember is it the bassist at the end of the movie who's it's like the funniest line ha, have a <laughs> Great time all the time. Isn't that right? That's his yeah. advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so just good. Perfection. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Last question. Do you have any recommendations? That could be a record or a podcast or a movie or a TV show. What are you consuming right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I consuming right now? Um. I feel like I don't have the greatest recommendations in the world because <laughs> I think during the pandemic, I have kind of, I've regressed. <laughs> I've like gone into the places of myself that um, I, so, some of which I haven't like dove that far into since high school or college. So I've been okay. very much regressing. So I don't know if I would recommend it, but something okay, that I, I would hear what, your, what those are. <laughs> admit something that I would admit during the pandemic is that I have been listening to a lot of the Grateful Dead, like Fun. more than I ever have in my entire life. Uh-huh. And <laughs> what I've been doing in particular, there's a podcast that um, called 36 from the vault where they've been doing a three to four hour podcast on every single volume of the Grateful Dead live Dick's Picks album series, <laughs> which are in themselves like three, four hour, four hour. live records. <laughs> so you're committing um, to like eight hours of content per record. I'm committed. Yes. <laughs> and, and I've been doing it. I've been listening. I'll listen to the live record front to back carefully. And then I listen to the podcast and think carefully. about whether I disagree. Think you're about whether I disagree with the hosts. <laughs> That was a throwaway word that you said, but carefully is a huge indicator of you actively listening to a four-hour album. <laughs> I'm I'm listening to the Grateful Dead more carefully than they were than they were listening to themselves. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I'm not going to recommend that one to the audience. I. I, I have no. To, no. I have they should. With your preface on that one, to be honest. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Um, Do you ever listen? To, wait. Wait. Um, I could do something. Hold on. Okay. They should watch bad. You know what? You know what was a good Netflix watch recently that was I really enjoyed. Uh, Bad Trip, Bad that Trip new Eric Andre so movie. Good. It is so fucking funny, and Dude. the spirit of it is so wonderful. I loved it. It's I just incredible. Think it's, great. it's 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 a crazy balance because the tropes are super funny, and 
the movie I, you guys if anybody listening hasn't seen bad trip they're blowing it because uh the fact that like the scenes all played out like all the people would would in real life say essentially the lines that you would say if you were sage old black yes. man on a bus bench or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah and for those yeah for those who don't know it's it's like a jack it, it's eric andre doing like sort of like a jackass prank movie mm-hmm. but they string it together as a as a plot is a script like all the all the pranks are part of a plot um but yeah i also just thought it was like weirdly good-hearted like you kind of left the movie like not feeling bad for anybody you actually kind of and like leave the movie feeling like people are good totally and and i thought that it wasn't going to be that way because some of the early pranks i thought were literally traumatizing (laughs) like the yes like the hand in the blender and stuff like yes like like I was like, this is so traumatic for these people. But I was laughing so hard I didn't turn it off. And then by the end of it, I was like, like, look, yeah, look at all these good folks who like really just want to help each other and want the best. <laughs> so good. I loved it, man. I loved it. Yeah. Bad trip's a good wreck. I'm with you. <laughs> um the the Grateful Dead thing reminded me. Uh, do you remember that? Did you ever hear that uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Scott Ackerman podcast where they just debate fish? They just talk about whether or not. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I thought you might have been going in that direction, but no, yours is much more studious. <laughs> yeah, mine is like, there's, I, I, I'm only parodying myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no jokes to be had. Love it. Well, Tommy, that's all, all my questions, man. Dude. Thanks, um, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. Um, total, yeah, dude, just like great to meet you, and obviously, Likewise. just love your music, and uh, was honored you asked me to be on. So, oh, same man, yeah. If uh, I will be visiting, I'm guessing I might be visiting uh, Richmond. So if I, if I ever am out there to to see, dude, please business, do. I'll, I'll I'll bug you, and and same if you ever out here. Um, all right, I'm gonna hit the absolutely. Stop recording real quick, but bye, bye. Yeah, great to see you. All right, y'all, that was me and Tommy. Tommy, thanks for being on the show. Boy, I did not shut the fuck up that episode, did I? All right, um, y'all know the drill. Banzoogle, uh, rate and review, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Um, thanks for listening, man. We'll be back next week for another episode, and I appreciate you. Monica, do you want to say bye? Bye, fans. That was my sister. Above.